Hello, this is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh, Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm so excited you're here. I love, love, love to connect with you on my podcast where I read all things about sex. I talk about sex. I read erotica, mine and others. I do interviews of erotica authors and other people that are in some way, shape, or form related to sex. I am an erotica author, voiceover narrator on ACX for erotica stories, and of course, podcaster. And oh, fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow. I also just made an account on Findaway Voices, so if any of you out there are looking for a narrator, hit me up. So if you're under 18, it's time to leave the podcast now, because this is not for you. I am sorry, it is not. Please follow by the rules. Thank you very much. I am so excited you all are joining me today on the podcast. I have a wonderful writer, an author who is going to talk with us, and we will get a little bit of an excerpt of the work as well. Here is the excerpt from Lang Walsh's book, His Own Man, the novella, The Threesome Between Greg, the main character, Toby and Morgan. Okay, here we go. It's going to be fun. All right. I pull away from Toby, leaning down and claiming Morgan's lips next. This is incredibly arousing. Two extremely hot men in my bed wasn't exactly how I thought I'd end my night. But I'm not going to complain. Morgan gasps against my mouth, and I move back, seeing Toby trailing his tongue across Morgan's stomach. That looks like something I very much want to do. Feeling daring, I move my hand down, teasing him past Toby's head until I can wrap my fingers around his rock-hard cock. He's really big. Not surprising, given the size of the rest of him. I squeeze him, and he rewards me with a deep groan of pleasure. Greg, baby. I smile up at him. His responses are giving me a lot of confidence. It reminds me of the first time I was with Toby. It was really awkward at first, but once he started encouraging me to explore his body, moaning and begging me for more, I quickly lost my shyness. I can feel that happening again. Plus, Toby's here, and that's helping in ways I never imagined. Just having his familiar presence an arm's length away helps. I move down, giving Toby a little push to get him out of my way, until my face is level with Morgan's hot, dripping dick. I want to taste him. Greg, wait. Morgan's hand is on my shoulder, stopping me. You don't have to. I look up at him, smiling. But I want to. Trust me, Toby interjects. You want him to. This man gives some of the best head I've ever had. Like, ever. Ignoring Toby's attempt at humor, Morgan's hand strokes my shoulder. Only if you're sure. A borderline irritated sigh comes from Toby. Dude, stop treating him like he's made of broken glass. He knows he can stop this any time he wants. Besides, he's a friggin' tiger in the sack. Just lay there and enjoy it. Unable to help it, I start laughing, resting my forehead against Morgan's hip. Toby obviously just wants to get on with it. And subtlety was never his strong suit. It's okay, Morgan, really. I assure him, lifting my head. I move a little closer, licking at the top of his cock, groaning at the taste of him. Oh, fuck! I hear Morgan's breathless voice come from above me, and the mattress jerks as he falls back. 
do it, baby. Toby says to me before moving up and turning his attention to Morgan's sculpted chest. Oh, I'm going to do it all right. I take his length into my mouth, sucking gently. He's a lot bigger than Toby, and my jaw immediately starts to ache. Not in a bad way, though, but I doubt I'll be able to deep-throat him. Not yet, anyway. I release him, licking along the underside of his shaft a few times before moving down. His balls are right in front of me. They are really big, too. And his sack is smooth and hairless. I trace my tongue over it and his body twitches. He moans my name, and I feel a surge that ends with me clenching my eyes shut and biting the inside of my cheek to keep from coming. Holy shit! That was close. I don't even know how much longer I'm going to last, and I'm desperate to feel him inside me. I give his cock a few more strokes and move up, my eyes meeting Toby's. I don't even have to say anything. He can see it all over my face. Morgan, grab the lube. He gestures with his chin to the bottle on the bedside table. He holds out his arms. Come here, baby. I go eagerly, clambering over Morgan's legs and straddling Toby's hips as I lean down and kiss him. I need it. I need it now. What do you need, Greg? He asks when I finally release him. I look over at Morgan, laying there with the lube in his hand. His eyes. Fuck. His eyes are so insanely intense. Mine travel over his body, stopping at his cock. Morgan, I, I want you. I try to meet his gaze, but I'm suddenly overcome with shyness again. It's getting annoying. I want you inside me. Greg, oh, Greg, yes. He tosses the bottle between us and reaches out, yanking me off Toby and onto his chest, his mouth closing over mine. All I can feel is his lips. All I'm aware of are his hands traveling over my body, arousing me even more. That is, until I feel a slick finger being pushed into my ass. I push myself up with a gasp. <gasps> Toby! We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions. Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, <laughs> Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven or spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping 
with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. I would like to introduce you to Lang Walsh. Thank you for joining me. It's nice to be here. So glad to meet you. I love talking to other writers. I just, I don't know, I just have so much fun and I love to learn what other people do and their, how they get to where they get. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I spend most of my time with other writers. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. So you write gay erotica, correct? Yes. Yes. And you have books available on Amazon. And I will put the link to those books down in podcast notes if anybody would like to check them out. So you have a novella, a new novella coming out. It's out now. It is called His Own Man. And it's directly linked to the first Chance Encounter series. It's one of the, one of the characters from that as well as the main character from the first Chance Encounter series, Toby, who everybody loves. Yeah, I love how you do that. When I was checking you out, I see that you connect your writers from one work to the next, like they keep going. Yes, that that was kind of the, that happened very organically. I wasn't planning on it. I was planning on having, I was planning on having one character have, you know, six different encounters with different men. And then I was planning on starting another one with a different character, but when I wrote the first, the very first one, so many people fell in love with Joe. Oh, nice. And I thought he said he was such a sweetheart. And I thought, you know what? He deserves his own series. So yeah. I had planned that out. And then so many people fell in love with Greg that I thought there's a story here with him. You know, he was in the closet. There's a story here with him. And it just, I was going to just make it another short, like a little you know, a little something extra side story and it turned itself into a hefty little novella and I just kind of let it, let it run on its own. <laughs> so yeah, I love that because, you know, what's really cool about that is you're responding to what people like and some people love that and like, oh yes, more of this, you know, more of this guy, more of this character. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to do my icebreaker question. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. What is your favorite sexual position? And if you want to tell me why, I'm not going to complain. (laughs) I would say that my favorite sexual position would have to be the one where my partner is tied up and gagged because, you know, then they can't talk back. (laughs) That is true. You cannot talk back and you are just there. Fantastic. Okay, so we are going to dive right in. We already talked a little bit about where we can find your writing. And you also have a website that people could look at. And that is laingwalsh.com, correct? Yes, yes. Everything is there. There's links to anywhere, everywhere that you can purchase the everything that I've written, as well as I kind of still a work in progress, but there soon there will be a newsletter. that you can sign up probably by the time that this airs, there should be a newsletter you can sign up for so that you can get the opportunity to, you know, win copies of the novellas when they come out or, you know, you'll get teasers and this sort of thing as well. So I don't do spam though, because there's nothing more annoying than, you know, signing up for a newsletter and getting like five or six a week. But when there's something to tell you, I'll tell you through the newsletter. And on my Twitter as well. Yes, Twitter. And your Twitter handle is? At LangWalsh12. Perfect. And all those links will be down in the podcast notes for anybody who would like to do that. Okay. I would love to know why you chose to start writing erotica. Well, I've been writing for a very, very long time. And when I started writing, I tried writing straight stuff. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And then I started, so, you know, being LBGT myself, I started writing some more queer stuff. And then I realized that I was just really good at writing gay sex scenes, guy on guy sex scenes. And I couldn't find, I couldn't find anything to read in the, in the male erotica space. 
that was gay erotica. Couldn't find anything. And you know what they always say? They say, write what you want to read. Yeah. So that was kind of what pushed me to do it um, years and years and years ago before like, like pre Twitter, I'm dating myself here, but uh, <laughs> you know, so pre Twitter and, and, you know, pre everything I was, I was writing male, male erotica. So I had something to read. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what I think is really cool about that? You found a hole in the market and anybody who finds a hole in a market, do it. If you do if it, you can do it and you like it, do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But That's they say, right. write what you love too. Right. And I, and I love it. I just, yeah. I guess, you know, everybody's got a little bit of the freak in them. I, mm-hmm. I always, always said that. And that's my freak. I'm oh. just, you know, and there's, I don't know, there's just something about two men getting it on that I just really enjoy. Yeah. Oh, I can, I, can totally, <laughs> I can totally understand. I, I can see that. I see that as hot as well. So what is your favorite part of the writing process? Editing. Actually. Oh, editing. Um, okay. <laughs> I enjoy the editing process. Okay. A lot of, I know a lot of writers like, you know, at first draft in there and like, Oh God, what do I do now? I don't want to go edit. <laughs> I really like it because it, especially when I, when you write a series, mm-hmm. I think that it helps you get to know the characters better and they take on a life of their own. And I've, I've been known to like edit it to death, like, you know, 5,000 words short and I'll edit it five or six times before I even consider sending it off to my actual editor. Wow. But I also have like a little bit of a perfectionist complex. So. <laughs> I can <laughs> I understand I enjoy that. It. well there's nothing worse than missing something and and if it's something that you know it goes through multiple edits even goes to an editor and it still gets through that's really annoying I've been there I've seen it Mm -hmm. I mean I have one of the most amazing editors in the space and and I actually had I think it was my second one that I put out one of my readers came to me and pointed out a spelling error oh and I was like oh my god thank you like let me go back and fix that rate freaking now but it had been through multiple edits with me, multiple edits with them. And it happens. We're human, right? I mean, nothing is going to be perfect. But you wonder how, like how in the world, how does that happen? Right. I know. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, but now, it I've, I've read traditionally published stuff that, that has spelling mistakes and, and whatnot. Yeah. And it traditionally yeah. published with, you know, editors mm-hmm. that get paid, you know, tens oh, yeah. of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. I totally get it right under my real name too. And I, my Same. book has it went through two editors and I can't tell you how many times I went through it and there still was I think there was like two or three spelling errors and I'm like what yeah how is and of course the readers notice that once it's published they have to mention that because we we aren't human (laughs) no no exactly you know it's okay I mean nothing is ever going to be perfect no you look at somebody like say Stephen King he often says that he, he still feels like a noob does he really that's what he's, he's actually been quoted as saying, I still feel like a noob wow. because there's always something to learn. That's true. That is true. Right? There's always something to learn. And Hey, if, if Stephen King can feel like a noob, I can make a spelling error. Damn straight. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> forgiveness. We need forgiveness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do you have a favorite character? You were talking about multiple characters that you have written about. And do you have one of them that's like, the best your favorite it's a toss-up I mean I I love Toby I love Toby because you know when I started the series I had just intended for it to be a little one-handed reading material that's all I really meant and Toby seemed to just develop and grow in a way that I didn't intend for him to and he he developed in such ways that he has this very unapologetic way about him He's a slut. He calls himself the super slut. He is unapologetic about it. He lives his life the way that I think we all kind of wish we could. You know, he he's is bold. who he is. He's bold. He's he mm-hmm. he is who he is. He knows he's not perfect, and he doesn't apologize for it. And I think we could all take a lesson from him. But mm-hmm. I also have real soft spot for Greg, the uh, the main character in the novella, just because that man is so deliciously broken. <laughs> and just makes you want to wrap him up and you know protect him yeah he's yeah so he's called him my disaster boy 
because every time he turned around, he was screwing something up. And I just, there was, I don't know, there was just something about him. I don't know if it kicked in my, you know, my uh, maternal instinct or, or what, right. but I just really enjoyed writing him. So I'd have to say it, it's a toss up between the two of them, for sure. I think a lot of people identify with, with him too, being a mess, because we're all a mess in some way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I wanted to mention too that Toby is the one that's going to be in your box set coming out on September 4th, right? Yes. So the box set is going to be right now it's ebook only. Okay. And it's going to be all six parts of the first chance encounter series of Toby series, along with a part seven that some people were asking for. Nice. Yes. I love it when people ask me to write something. Yes. I really do. Do you do you like that? I just love I it. do. I in in the first chance encounter series, there is a in Joe's series, sorry, there is a, a character by the name of Sam that people asked me for a character like him. Nice. So getting more into people asked me to get more into the the heavy kink side of it. So mm. I did, and it was so much fun to write. You know, so we might we might we're gonna see be seeing a little bit more of Sam too, I think. Nice. Very as well. cool. Yep. So how long have you been writing? Are you one of those people that wrote as a child? Oh, yes. Too? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I believe the first time that I was actually published was, I was eight or nine years old. There's a magazine in Canada. I don't know if it's even still around that would take on like young writers for little short stories. It was very popular when I was when I was a kid and I submitted something to them. You know, I wasn't into the double digits yet. And and it was published and my mother still has a copy kicking around in her, somewhere in her house. So yeah, I've been writing for dare I say it, decades and decades. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And I love to hear these stories of people writing as children. I did that as well. Like I just had a notebook and I would mm-hmm. have, like longhand write out some stories. Mm-hmm. I remember when I went to go do the submission, I remember my mother typing it out on a typewriter after work mm, yeah. for me and sending it in through the mail. And, and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I always just had a scribbler. We call them scribblers here. The, the, the notebooks that you'd have in school with the three holes punched in the sides of them. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> that's, I had those scattered all over the house as a kid. That's yeah. awesome. So have you always been into fiction or do you, veer into nonfiction ever for writing? Probably about five or six years ago, I wrote some nonfiction articles for a a business that I was running at the time, um, a coaching business. So I did, and it was okay. And I think my very first paid gig was I wrote an article for a lady for her website on St. John's wart. Oh, (laughs) it was like, I had to go do some research on this herb and what it's used for and this sort of thing. And then she paid me for it. That was early days, but I've never, I've never, like, I've never, this is my first go at doing fiction. I've only been like publishing fiction for the last just over a year. It was just Toby, Toby just had his first birthday there not too long ago. So, and the, the novel that I write under my legal name came out after that. So it's been about a year. Okay. That that I've that I've been writing and publishing, like self-publishing. Sure, sure. So this is a question I love to ask writers because and everybody has an interesting answer. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? I was in the ninth grade and I had a teacher who was a complete misogynist. And I was, he used to tease me. He used to call me uh, the Nazi feminist, Uh which in and of itself was just really wrong to call it, you know, a young woman that. So I tried to work around it and, and it, and it didn't work and it didn't work. And my brother suggested to me that I write to the school board and I sat down and it took me hours and hours to compose this half page letter about this teacher because I wanted to be taken seriously mm-hmm. and it worked. It worked. The teacher was spoken to. He apologized to me in front of the class and he nice. actually changed his attitude. He, I guess maybe he didn't realize he was being such, such a jerk, but yeah. 
made me realize that if you choose your words and you choose them properly, that you can get what you want and you can get what you need. So, I mean, and, and that, that's a pretty powerful experience for somebody that age, I think. Oh, absolutely. And to yeah. have it end well. Yes. Huge. Yes. That is huge. That's awesome. That's a great story. And I'm glad he did that. Jeez. I mean, who, what are some of these people thinking, talking to children like that? <laughs> well, we actually, we actually ended up being kind of quasi friends as I moved on through, through my high school career that he, he kind of would, he sought me out a couple of times to, you know, just to interact with me. And I think that was his way of kind of trying to make up for it. It was really kind of nice to see because like I said, I don't, and I mean, that was, we're talking, we're talking the eighties here. Sure. So, sure. you know, things were a lot different then and men can mm. get away with a lot more of that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think this was just his way of growing. And it was really, it was really nice to see. Oh, that's good. At least he was, wasn't totally clueless. He, no. he learned. No. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So you mentioned doing research for your nonfiction. Do you feel in writing gay erotica that you do research? I do. I mean, I do the basic research that every writer does. Like if I'm going to write about a specific topic, like even if it's something as simple as they're sitting down to a particular meal. Let's say they're, they're, you know, like they're eating Indian food and I've never had Indian food. So right. I need to go find out about that. I tend to fall down research rabbit holes. Like a lot of people, um, <laughs> I once spent three days researching Buddhist funerals to write three paragraphs. <laughs> and because you just get so interested, that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and then to be honest, I have a couple of gay male friends who if I'm trying to figure out the mechanics of something, I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. a man, right? You know, and that of gay erotica is written by, by women. I found that out recently when I interviewed a gay author who is a man. And he told me that I'm like, really? A lot. And, but I'm not a man. I don't right. have plumbing. So I need, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm not going to just throw it on the page and go, okay, I know what I'm talking about. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I have a couple of gay male friends that I'm very, very comfortable with. That I can be like, does this actually work? Right. right. And, and they're very, very brutally honest at times with coming back to me with the proper answers or, you know, suggestions or whatever. So I'm very, very lucky that way. Well, that's important. But do I mean, your research for yes. the erotica writers out there. Do your research. Yes. Think of them as a, I think of them as a consultant. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what it is. And, and because there's nothing worse then, then, you know, you, especially with erotica, you get into it and the story is good and it's actually really, really well written. And you're like, and then all of a sudden you're hit with, you're hit with the mechanics and they're not right. Mm-hmm. And it just yanks you right out of the story. It does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I do the same thing. If it's something I haven't done, I'll go ask somebody to read it. Exactly. And, you know, you're reaching out to people like that, you make some really interesting friends. It is. I know. I had some I have someone right now who reached out to me on Instagram and asked me to write an erotica piece where the man is disabled and the woman comes on to him. And I'm like, I will absolutely do that. But I said, Sounds Will wonderful. you read it for me and make sure it's right? He said, Absolutely. He said, I would love to do that. And and I am not disabled, so I don't want it to look be stupid. You know, I need it to be accurate and I'm just, I'm excited about this project because he asked me to do it and he wants to review it and make it legit, you know? Well, and this is the thing, and there's a lot of talk around, and rightfully so, around sensitivity readers. You know, if you're, if you're a white person and you're writing about black people, you need a sensitivity reader. If you're Mm -hmm. straight, or even if you're like a lesbian and you're writing about gay people, then Mm -hmm. you need to, you know, gay men, then you need to you need to find somebody to read that. And I, it doesn't matter if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. And you need to find out or else it's not going to go well for you in the end. I don't think. Right. Exactly. And, and I, I just feel like that I wouldn't want to misrepresent either. You no. know, no, no, don't be that person. Right. Like, <laughs> 
like I said, you meet some really interesting people. You make some really interesting friends. Years ago, when I first started writing kink, I mean, you know, I mean, I've been in, in and out of the kink community for years and years, but I needed, I needed somebody to, to talk to about certain scenes that I was writing. And I ended up making friends with a professional dominatrix. Nice. And she's the most amazing person that, I mean, I just love her to death and we're friends to this day. And, yeah. you know, so you meet some really interesting people and you make some really amazing friends. Yeah, People you may never have met otherwise. Exactly. I mean, I never would have met her. We did right. not move in the same circles. I would never have met her, but a friend suggested that I speak to her. And so I, you know, I went to her and I asked her my questions and she was more than happy to help. And she, you know, read it when it was done and really, really loved it. And, you know, and then we went for coffee and it was great. That's awesome. Know? I love yeah. that story. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, I love that. I love being a writer too. I mean, think all these people you're connected to and you meet, it's just, oh, it's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love, I love interacting with my readers. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, I have one one reader. He's a loyal, loyal fan. Austin, I know you're going to be listening to this, so I'm going to call you out <laughs> on this here. He makes my day. Nice. He makes my day. I mean, it doesn't matter how successful you get. When you have somebody who basically fangirl squeals when you put something new out, yes. that does something for your ego, right? And Austin does that for me. And I love him to death. He's he's probably my biggest fan, I think. And I, I just love him and I would support him in any way if he, you know, if he wanted me to, just because he's been so supportive of me. Yeah. And what a confidence booster that is for you. Because I know a lot oh, of writers just, think, oh my gosh, I can't put this out in the world. But when you have someone like that. Yeah. 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 yeah it's amazing. It's amazing. So interestingly, that leads into my next question. What is your definition of success as a writer and or author? It's how you make other people feel to me. It's it's having people like Austin waiting for your next book, mm-hmm. waiting, waiting to hear from you again, to, to read your characters that you touch their lives in some way. Another little story, but years and years ago, I had put, been putting up pieces on a, on a free website way back in the day, and I got contacted by a young girl in Sri Lanka. Mm. And I, at first, I thought it was one of those you know Nigerian prince emails yeah. back back way before the, those Nigerian princes ever came around. But she contacted me to tell me that her marks in English, her father was a diplomat to to the US and they were going to the US and so she was taking English classes to learn the language and she said her marks had gone up because she was reading my stuff and she found something that she really actually enjoyed reading so it gave her more confidence and she was able to you know bring her marks up and that I mean that happened I can't even tell you how long ago that happened but I still think about it all the time yeah because that's success to me. Yes. Right. It wasn't just, okay, somebody read my stuff and I gave them an hour or two worth of, you know, entertainment, but I actually touched somebody in a way that the writing wasn't meant for. Yes. You impacted you know? their life positively. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that that is my definition. So the money is great. The notoriety is great. You know, I mean, as, as indie authors, we don't get a lot of that, but, (laughs) but being able to, to know that you brought somebody joy or, or you helped somebody in some way through your writing, that's, that's real success to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So describe a typical writing session for you. The typical writing session always starts with a big ass mug of coffee and finding something for my cat to do so he won't <laughs> torture the hell out of me. There are people who follow me on Twitter, I swear to God, y'all just follow me for pictures of Ziggy, but there you have it. <laughs> um, I tend to, I'm an out, I am an outliner, even with the short form erotica, I'm still an, out, an outliner. And once I have my outline up in front of me, I tend to write in sprints. 
So I will do what's called the Pomodoro method, where you write, you focus and you write for 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break and then you, or 20 minutes, five minute break, 20 minutes, five minute break or 25. I have some people that I write with that do 25s. And I find I get so much more done that way because that's all I'm focused on. Everything else is shut down. I do not have Twitter up. My phone is not even in the room because I am one of these people that works a full-time job and I have a lot of family responsibilities. My writing time is extremely limited. So when I do sit down to write, I have to have full focus. And that's where having an outline and that comes in really handy because I already know I already know what I'm going to be writing. The novella that just came out, I had a down to the letter outline for that. And it was a 42,000 word novella that I wrote in, I think it took me about 24 hours to write. Wow. Because I had a, an outline, I sat down with, with everybody's favorite book, Save the Cat. And I followed the, you know, the three act structure, which, you know, I do for, for pretty much everything. And I had copious notes. I had <laughs> index cards all over the place. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my, my latest novel. I have index cards and they're taped to my wall next oh, to me. Yeah. So and that's my writing process. And then I will write the rough draft. And as I said, I will go back over it four or five times myself. And then I will hand it off to my editor and then we'll go back and forth two or three more times before it's ready to publish. And this is for everything from, you know, Toby's first story, which was like, I think 3000 words okay. to, to my 90 some thousand word full length novel that I wrote beginning of the year that I published beginning of the year. So it doesn't change. It doesn't matter the length of it. My writing process stays the same. Nice. Yeah, I know. I always, my office looks like a big giant disaster. I got post-it right? notes everywhere. <laughs> right? Post. I wonder if all writers are stationary addicts. Yeah, yeah. You think uh, we are? I think we are. I think so too. <laughs> and I have like notebooks for every little thing, you know, like a podcast oh. notebook. I have a writing notebook. <laughs> just... So my big addiction is washi tape. Um, oh yeah yeah because I have like 18 planners and I have a you know I have plotting <laughs> planners and then I have my, my daily planner and then I have my marketing planner and I like to decorate it new stickers and stuff and washi tape because it makes me happy oh, but yeah. my son my son thinks that he, I think he said to me there not too long ago that he's planning an intervention <laughs> <laughs> every time I turn around I'm buying more but it you know what, what makes you happy I mean if it's exactly. if you're paying 50 cents for a roll of washi tape and you can afford it do it Exactly. I've always been, ever since I was a kid, I've always been a sticker freak, you know, and that's why I love emojis too. Cause I'm like, they're like stickers. Yeah. They're like stickers for your computer, but I am exactly. a huge sticker fan, like especially for my planners. Mm -hmm. I have stickers for everything. Ah, and, that's uh, awesome. I have boxes, like literally boxes of stickers, you know, those photo boxes. I have like three <laughs> yeah. or four of those and they're like full of stickers. <laughs> Keep me out of the dollar store because that place is dangerous <laughs> for the stickers. So. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. I know I should get back into stickers too. I was, I used to have like books of stickers when I was a kid. I just like to like look through oh, them. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm weird. I <laughs> we used to collect them when I was a kid, you know, like that was the thing. And people collected, some people collected stamps. I collected stickers. Exactly. You know, so you the scratch and sniff <laughs> ones were the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Those are still the best. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> so when you we're talking about writing process, do you feel like you go I know you make an outline. Do you do the plot first then, or do you do the character first? Like what, what's your first go-to between those two? It depends really. With, with the Chance Encounters series, it started as, as I said, like an idea of that I wanted to have a character that has these different encounters with different men. And so I started plotting first, but it was a very shallow plot until Toby came along. And then it's like, he, I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And he's like, no, and wandered off into the woods somewhere. You know, <laughs> I'm very led by my characters. They tend to develop very quickly and really take on personalities of their own. And I kind of just go with the flow. And then I come along behind and th that meme says, you know, I just write the incident report, you know, cause then I come along <laughs> behind them and I clean up, but it's, 
but now mind you if it's a full-length novel or like the novella that the greg's novella mm-hmm. it was a solid plot first okay because i already knew the characters though yeah that was the true. thing right all the, right. the all of the characters in this with the exception of one who is only basically a you know she was an antagonist but at the same time didn't play a huge huge role like in the forefront i already knew all of the characters so there really wasn't a whole lot of need to to go in and get to know them sure the one that's uh, sitting on my wall here now again i know all the characters so the plot it, the plotting is coming out first uh, but when i sit down to write the next chance encounter series which i will hopefully be writing over november for NaNoWriMo will be it will be a lot of i'll start it with a with a base idea do with some shallow plotting and then just let them run wild sure so that does bring me to my next question too. What are you working on now? Is that what you're working on? The one you just mentioned? Actually, right now, um, I am taking a little bit of a break from, from the erotica due to the fact the way that I do the erotica is I write like a, a mad person for about three months and then it goes into editing and then I, I dole it out pieces. I have a very tight a very tight schedule with releases for the erotica. Right now I am working on a novel under my legal name. Okay. It's the first in what looks to be about anywhere between an eight and 12 book series. Oh, wow. Gay paranormal romance. Mm. I currently have a couple of first drafts done, but it's kind of in the middle of the timeline. So I've had to back it up. Mm. And that's kind of what I'm working on now. I will work on that until probably mid-month September, when I will start plotting out the next Chance Encounter series in preparation for NaNoWriMo in November. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I did that one year and it was really productive for me. I wrote a big chunk. I need to do that again this year. It's, it's amazing, but it's, it can also be extremely brutal if you yeah. work full time and have a family. Like, I don't understand how people who work a 40 hour week and have small children get any writing done. My son has grown <laughs> and gone, but it's still, when you have a full-time job and you, you know, any kind of responsibilities, kudos to you for getting anything on the page. Yep. You know, I don't know how people do it. Even if there's, even if they stay at home with their small children, right. I remember those days. Right. I can't, I don't know how they get it done. Yeah. I have so much respect for, for people who write and have young families and jobs. It's, it's crazy. More power to them. That is awesome. Right. Absolutely. So in talking about what you're planning to do, do you have any short-term or long-term goals other than what you've mentioned that you'd like to share? Well, one thing I would like to share is is how people are going to see see chance encounters going forward. What we what people have come used to now is seeing one short a month come out, and then they've seen the novella come out for the series that came out prior, attached to the series that came out prior. So what you're going to see in 2022 from me is there will be a new chance encounter series starring somebody from Joe's series. I already have it picked out. No, no, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) That's a surprise. And then once those have been released, all six of those have been released, you will see a novella based on somebody in Joe's series come out. Okay. And then after that, you will see the same thing as what's coming out in September with Toby, the box set, only you'll see it with Joe. You'll see all six contained in a single ebook with a part seven. Very and that, cool. that, that will be, that will be how, how the publications happen going forward. So what will happen there is that you'll see a new series, a novella with, with a character from the previous series and then a box set of that previous series. That's what you'll see going forward. Sounds like a great plan. So what's one thing you wish you had known when you began writing erotica that you know now? That there was actually a place to publish it. Yeah, right. I did not know when when I first started writing it, I didn't realize that you could actually publish it on Amazon. I thought there's no way 
there's got to be something in their terms of service that is not going to allow graphic on the page sex. Right. Yeah. So I really wish I had have known that because I think I would have gotten started a lot earlier. Yeah. And I wish I also had known that there was such a large audience for it. Yes. That would have been, that would have been nice. I think I would have gotten started a lot earlier than I have. I think almost every writer I have interviewed has said, I wish I had started sooner. Yes. But having said that, you know, it's, you look back at some of, at some of these people who didn't get started until they were in their, you know, their fifties and sixties mm-hmm. and they, you know, it's never too late. It's never right. too late to start. That's so true. Yeah. And you know, maybe that is, maybe it took them that long to get to the place where they could be success, more successful or could write better. I mean, they're, you know, they're, me be benefit as well. Although people always seem to say, I wish I had started this sooner, you know? And I think part of it for me was that I needed to have that, that support there Mm -hmm. of not just the people in my, in my life, my family and, and whatnot, but the community that I've found online, especially through Twitter. Oh yeah. As well as my, my writing group that uh, of people that that I write with, like we do writing sprints on a fairly regular basis. And then we're all kind of there for each other and that sort of thing. I needed that kind of support, support, because there's no other writers in my family. So I needed people who understood me and understood mm-hmm. the struggles and, and, and would help me celebrate, you know, that sort of thing. And under really, really understood the process. And I think that's maybe why I didn't start earlier because I didn't have any of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I just, I don't know about you, and I talk about this with other writers too. The erotica writing community on Twitter is just fantastic. They amazing. Isn't that crazy? Like it has, has nowhere near the value that you find in the non-erotica writing community on Twitter. It doesn't even compare. It's funny because I have I have two Twitter accounts. I have one for my erotica and then I have one under my label name. Mm-hmm. I have twice as many, twice as many followers under my legal name as I do under Lang Walsh. Yet I'm more, there's more activity on the Lang Walsh account. Oh, absolutely. A lot more interaction. Yep. Yep. In fact, I've been really bad about posting under my real name. I haven't done it in like <laughs> a very, very long time. But yeah, I don't get the interaction I do on Twitter and the erotic that I do in the erotica writing community. It's just unreal. It really is very supportive. And there's not there's not this underlying feeling of competition at all. True. I find yeah, with erotica writers. So supportive. Aren't they so supportive? It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. It's I love them all. It's just fantastic. (laughs) I can gush and gush and gush. So what is the biggest surprise you've had in the last few months? It could be whatever you want it to be. I would have to say it's that there's people out there who want to read my stuff. Right. Like people like Boston who wait for my next story to come out. That to me will always be surprising. I'm usually an extremely confident person. I know I'm very good at what I do, but at the same time, they're said like, oh my God, somebody had read my thing. Somebody, somebody bought the next book and somebody <laughs> left me a really, really like, you know, wonderful review. And it, uh, it, you know, it makes you excited and it's still a surprise. It's, it's, it's yes. a surprise. Every time somebody, every time I, I log into my Amazon dashboard and I see somebody has bought a book, I'm like, you know, it's like a little happy dance, Oh yeah, um, you know, that, that, somebody out there is going to that enjoy they enjoyed stories beforehand enough to purchase the next one it still comes as a surprise to me every single day i love that and you know i'm the same way too you know even like one i'm like that's awesome you celebrate even the one and people might think oh i'm just like a drop in the bucket to this person no <laughs> we celebrate every stinking one Exactly. And it's, you know, it's funny because I do have, I have some mentors that sell like literally thousands of books a month. Mm. Or, you know, I have one mentor that she could probably send tens of thousands of books in a month. Wow. And, but she's also indie and she also does that happy dance every single time she sees a sale. I love that. You know, and it's, it's, I don't think it'll ever change. And I think that's what sets indie authors apart. It's like, we're like small business owners. Yes. I mean, you know, yes. 
Walmart doesn't care if they sell a pair of shoes. Right. But if we do, it's like it's reason to go out and buy cake. Right. Exactly. Yeah. If it's your store and you own the store and someone comes in and buys shoes yes. from you. Yes. That's a great analogy. It's true. Absolutely. So what kind of genres do you like to read other than gay erotica? I mean, <laughs> I, I tend to stick with LBGT writing because representation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I used to write, used to read a lot of straight stuff, but that's because that was all that was out there yeah. um, before the days of indie. I, but I'll read anything. I'll read anything from YA to erotica. Nice. Do I mean, I have my favorite authors and they're all indie. I made a decision back in when I was doing my, you know, you never stick to the New Year's resolutions <laughs> in 2019 that in 2020, I was only going to read indie authors. I wasn't going to purchase any books from anybody that was traditionally published, not knocking the, the trad pub people, sure. you know, cause there's people I know that are, that, that fight for to be traditionally published good on them. If that's the way they want to do it. Great. Right. But indie authors needed my support. Yes. So, and then I started to find very prolific authors that I just love their stuff. And some of them were YA and some of them were paranormal. And then some of them were erotica. And I just, I started eating books because I hadn't read for years because I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. Like I said, everything is, everything is header. Oh, look how heteronormative that is. Yeah. You know, right. Right. I want to read about people like me. Yeah. I want to read about people who date men and women. I want to read about people who think monogamy is just a very strange concept. You know, I want to read about people like me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So in saying that, do you have any authors' names you'd love to throw out there that are like your favorites? I have to, I have to mention Travis Bodin. Okay. Travis Bodin. Bodin. Okay. It's spelt the French way, but not pronounced the French way because I don't know. I don't know why. I think it's an American thing because I was always uh, being from Canada. I I was always pronouncing it as if it was French. Mm -hmm. So Travis, he has a series called Bryce can play and it's amazing. And he also has a novella out called break me down, which Mm. is dark and twisted. And I think I threw it across the room at the end of it. (laughs) Pretty sure there's been a a couple of books in my time that I've gotten to the point where I've thrown them across the room. And I love that. (laughs) Oh, I got so mad. I got so mad, but then I rushed across the room and grabbed the book so I could finish it. (laughs) But not only is Travis an amazing writer, he's also an amazing person. Mm. He's my rock. Mm -hmm. He has been the, the person who has hugged me when I've needed it, kicked me in the butt when I've needed it. You know, if I want to, you know, there's been times when I've wanted to quit this whole gig. He has been there to support me in whatever way I've needed it. Go buy his books. You will not regret it. He's just an amazing. I aspire to be as good as him. Now, what um, topic does he write on? It's gay erotica. Okay. I was just want to clarify yeah. that for people. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. And, and then there's the usual suspects. People like Siren Sung. And I know I'm probably pronouncing your name wrong, honey. And I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. <laughs> who wrote is writing a series. It's a retelling of young King Ar- of King Arthur as a, mm. as a young man. Nice. And I read the first one and I, I was, it was during the height of the pandemic. I had to travel to another province, my son for a surgery. And so when mm. we came back, of course we had to go to quarantine uh, and I was like, I really need a book for quarantine, mm-hmm. something that'll get me through this next 14 days without pulling out my hair. I work from home. So I was still working, but I still needed something else to do in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> I read it <laughs> one day. I sat mm. on the couch for an entire day and I read the whole book. I love that. It's called young King Arthur and the Knights of the round table. Okay. And it's amazing. It's I'm waiting with bated breath for the next one. Nice. You know? And then there's, there's Cameron James. He's a LBGT writer as well. He writes everything from, you know, erotica to, I think, I'm not sure if he's got some YA stuff out or not, 
but mm. you know, and then also again, an amazing person, fellow Canadian, he's very supportive, just kind of your go-to guy. And Chase Connor is another one I wanted to mention. He is, does a lot of YA. He has a series call out called Jacob Michaels is. So they're all like okay. Jacob Michaels is tired. Jacob Michaels mm. is, you know, and that's another, that was one that I, I threw across the room. <laughs> Honest to God, threw that book across the room. It was, it was just, it sucks you in. Mm. And it's just a really, really good series. But again, these are all Twitter people. Yeah. And they're all gay erotica. No, no. Okay. Cameron, Cameron and, and Chase are not, well, Cameron does write some erotica. Okay. Chase, I don't believe he has any erotica. I'm sure he'll correct me if, uh, <laughs> if I'm wrong. And Siren is not erotica. I don't believe as well. I've only read the one so far by them. And again, amazing book. If you get a chance to pick this book up, strongly suggest you do so. It just, it's, it is a retelling of King Arthur like you've never seen before. And the way that she, the way that she tells Merlin, I've never ever seen Merlin told as anything other than an old man in robes and with a long beard. Yeah. Her Merlin is amazing. Her Merlin is amazing. You have to, yeah, you have to read this book. Very intriguing. I love that. It's why it's YA, but it's amazing. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Amazing. Oh, very cool. That's very yeah. exciting. I love to hear about other authors that blow people away. That's just, that's fantastic. So do you have, can you think of one to three people who have influenced you the most with regards to your writing? Top of the list would have to be Travis. As I said, he's, he's my rock. And I wouldn't be doing this, I don't think, still, if it, was, right. if it wasn't for him. And I'm very, very, very lucky to have Travis in my life. And my son. Mm, my yeah. son, my son is so supportive. He is also an artist. He's a, a digital artist. Ah. So he, he gets, he gets the whole creative muse and, and how difficult it could be at times. Yes. And the other person, and this has surprised some people when I've told them this being a gay erotic writer is my mother. Yeah. My mother is 77 years old. Okay. And thinks that her child writing gay erotica it's the coolest thing going. Oh, that's awesome. I bounce ideas off of her all the time. I love that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And you know, I I wouldn't be doing this without the support of these people. Yeah. It's cuz sometimes, you know, as a writer, it's just so hard sometimes to keep going. Yeah. You know, you have yeah. a week where you're not making any sales and you think to yourself, "Oh my god, is it really worth it I put so much into this and then I'm only charging 99 cents for this book and nobody wants yeah. to read it. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. Everybody goes through that. I don't care if you're me or you're, you're yeah. Stephen King. I, I you know, mm -hmm. everybody goes through it. Yep. And you need to have that support. Find yourself your little group of people, you know, whether it's online or in real life, got to find that little, that little supportive group of people. Oh, absolutely. That's invaluable. It's gold. Yep. Well, I am so excited you talked with me today. I just had just a blast learning about all of your stuff and finding about your process. And this is a great talk. I'm really excited. So as we're ending here, is there anything else that you would like to add? Well, I had noticed there is one question on your list here that we didn't have time to get to, though, that I would like to just say a little something about if I had any advice for erotic oh, yes, authors yes. that are just getting started. Yes. Find yourself an editor. Yes. Please find yourself an editor. Even if you have editing skills yourself, find somebody that can put a fresh set of eyes on it that also has those editing skills. There's a lot of fantastic erotica out there, but there's also a lot of real crappy stuff that yeah. people just do a draft and they throw it up on Amazon. And, you know, people will often say, well, I can't afford an editor. There are people out there who are willing to edit your story for you just because they get to read it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how I found my editor was that she just wanted to read my stuff. Sure. And I lucked out. I lucked out so much. And she is an amazing editor. And, and the reason that my stuff is good is because of her. Yeah. And find yourself an editor. Reach out to other authors. Don't, we're not a scary bunch. Right. 
we're supportive, especially like you said, like erotic authors, we're supportive. We mm-hmm. want to see you succeed. Absolutely. We want to see you succeed. You want resources? Come to us. Hey, come to me. Come find me on Twitter. Yeah. My I don't have my DMs blocked. If you send me dick pics though, we're gonna have words. <laughs> Not interested. Sorry. Unless it's like a picture of Dick Van Dyke or something like that. Um, but come find me. If you need resources, I will help you get them. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't care if, and I don't care if you're just starting out or if you have been writing for years and you feel a little stuck. If you want somebody to talk to, come find me. Yeah. I need to pay it forward. You know, Travis did that for me and, 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 you know, Cameron did that for me. And a lot of people did that for me. And I like to pay it forward. Come find me at Langwalsh12 on Twitter. Send me a DM. I will be more than happy to help you. I love that. That attitude right there is what I see on the niche of erotica writers on Twitter. It's kind of across the board and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Us indie authors, we got to stick together. You know, there's still a stigma. There's still Mm -hmm. a bit of a stigma of indie authors. Um, I know that recently on Twitter, there was a big blow up because there was somebody saying that, you know, we all suck and whatever, whatever, my dude, because you know what? We don't. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and our own money into putting our books out in the absolute best way we can. Exactly. And that brings me to a good question. What do you do or think about when you see people who are haters of your work? Eh, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, go choke on your own venom, honey, because I don't have time for you. I'm too busy writing. I'm too busy having fun with, with with other indie authors. I mean, I don't. I don't feed the trolls on right. Twitter, but if somebody is attacked by a troll, I will absolutely go to them and support them. Yeah. And I'll, you know, just, okay, I'm going to go report this person, but I'm not going yes. to engage them. Right. Um, don't have the energy for, for that kind of thing. You know, my, my energy is finite and I choose to put it into supporting people and writing, not going to engage those trolls whatever it, it's it's my god your life must be so freaking miserable i know if you right? have to go around being so vicious and attacking other people like i pity yes people like that they're, oh, they must be miserable can't imagine living a life like that i they gotta be a miserable person to do that mm-hmm. especially when you see them attacking some of these really young writers who are just getting started and i worry about them because what if this stops them from writing i've seen it happen Mm -hmm. you know there was a young writer last year who was attacked by a troll and they said they were going to quit and myself and a couple of other writers reached out to them and it's like please don't please don't let this one person ruin something like this for you you know they did continue on but it was hard for them because you know like people people can be vicious they want to drag you down to their level yeah and it takes a lot of self-confidence. And I think it's something that does come with age. I find the older I get, the less of a fuck I give. I would agree with that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, honey, I haven't lived this long to, to be, to be, you know, chew, come your chew toy. It's just not something that I'm going to give any energy to. Yeah. And I think all people who create people who are artists, it's hard because that one negative one make some reason ends up consuming us and we may get like 10 positive comments but that one negative one just kind of just gets in there so you got to learn to just push that back out I think it's the people pleasing part of us that Mm -hmm. most of us carry Um, and it does take a long time I think for most people to get to the point where like pleasing other people is not as important as pleasing yourself yeah and I agree it comes with age more and more Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. I truly do. But yeah, I mean, don't don't feed the trolls. Yeah. Social exactly. media can be a cesspool. People will always say, I hear it a lot that Twitter is it's a cesspool of negativity. And I'm like, what do you mean? My timeline is great. Right. There's nothing I mean, my timeline's nothing but a bunch of positive people and you know, yeah, cake. Right, cake and sparklers on my timeline, and that's because I've weeded out the trolls, and I just block them, and I don't engage them. They don't. So they, you know, I did have somebody come after me recently on a comment that I made about an anti-trans book that was being 
put in libraries. Mm-hmm. And my comment was that our local library had refused to move it when they were approached by the local pride group and uh, that I couldn't believe that stuff like this got published. Yeah. And somebody kept retweeting me and, and quote tweeting me and saying like, you know, basically calling me down, like, like I had said that something that I actually didn't say, I just muted it. I'm like, whatever, this is my yeah. opinion and, and I'm entitled to it, right. you know, died off very quickly because I didn't feed the fire. Yes. Right. That's the thing you need to do is not feed that fire. Just ignore it and it will go away. (laughs) The trolls are after it for attention when you, when you, you know, I mean, but there's, I mean, there are some, if you've got it in you to fight, fight, I will support you and I will tuck you in at the end of the day and give you cookies, (laughs) but you know, choose to fight or, or choose to not fight. It's entirely up to you. Right. I choose, I choose to just whatever. Right. I choose to, like I said, energy is finite for me. So I, I choose to use my energy in other ways. I was going to say one, one author told me, they said their response usually is, I'm sorry, I'm busy talking to my fans and then just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. I loved that. I'm like, you are smart. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I choose to use my energy picking up the people who, who are the ones out there fighting against these people. I have a very strong, I've been told I have a very strong mom vibe. So I I choose to, like I said, tuck you in at the end of the day and give you cookies as opposed to, you know, if somebody will attack somebody, I know I will incinerate you. But uh, (laughs) if it's just a general person out there wanting to cause a stir, it's just don't feed the fire. Yeah, exactly. Very great advice. Well, I want to thank you for talking with me. I really, really enjoyed our chat. That was really fun. I did too. Thank you so much. I, I truly, truly appreciate this. And I I hope that the people that have been listening to this were A, entertained. Yeah. I try to try to be entertaining. I, I know I'm not <laughs> as funny as I think I am. But and I and I truly hope that that somebody got something out of this. Whether it was, whether it was, you know, third party support or, or that they, it inspired them to maybe put that pen to paper and do this themselves. I really hope that somebody got some sort of something out of this that's going to help them move forward. I absolutely love that. And I completely agree. (laughs) It's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You have a good day. You too. Thanks, son. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.